we're back with the tech policy grind. I'm Rima Musa, and I'm a fellow with the Internet Law and Policy Foundry, the organization where the next generation of tech law and policy professionals convene to write, think, and talk about the web, technology, and disruptive innovation. This is the Tech Policy Grind, the Foundry's podcast where we chat about what's going on in the world of tech policy. Okay, welcome back everyone to the Tech Policy Grind. Today is definitely a special treat. We have a convening of sorts of a bunch of different podcasters, my favorite podcasters, I'll just say, in the tech policy space to talk a little bit about some of the behind the scenes of what producing a privacy podcast, a cybersecurity podcast, tech policy podcast entails. So I'm here with Noah Katz, Angelique Carson, and Nicole Dove, and really, really excited to get into it today. So just to start off, I want to go through each of you and quickly touch on who you are, what's your day job, and also what's your podcast called. And maybe we'll start Noah and then Angelique and then Nicole. Okay, great. Thanks, uh, Rima, for setting this up. Um, so uh, Noah Katz and my day job now for the past uh, few months has been, I work uh, at Zwilgen in DC as uh, one of the three fellows. Um, and my podcast is called uh, Careers in Data Privacy. And I talk different privacy pros, like Angelique, for example, uh, about, uh, you know, how they got their start in privacy and their whole career path from beginning uh, to, to end. Uh, I suppose that's me, uh, uh, Angelique Carson here. I um, My day job these days is that I am director of content strategy at um, a tech startup called TerraTrue. Um, we're like a privacy by design software as a service uh, platform. And I publish the podcast through that. Uh, it's called the Privacy Beat Podcast. We publish every couple of weeks. Um, and it's basically issue focused. Like we kind of try and tackle the news of the day um, and try and keep it pretty operational and practical for folks who are working in the privacy space and trying to work their way through whatever um, whatever issue it is. Hey, everyone. I'm Nicole Dove, and I am the host of the Urban Girl Corporate World Podcast, which is all about winning at work. Um, By day, I am head of security for the games division at Riot Games. If you've ever played League of Legends or watched Arcane on Netflix, we are the company that makes all that great stuff. Uh, My podcast actually didn't start out as a tech-focused podcast. It really was just about connecting the stories of the people who I have encountered throughout my career. However, as my career began to shift into the tech space, it naturally just became about people who were just winning in the cybersecurity industry. Nicole, I have to say that you win for best podcast name. I love that. That's such Ooh, a great title. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. So I want to now get into a little bit more of your personal stories and how you came to be in this space. And this is a really cool group because you all have actually completely different backgrounds. Um, So maybe for this one, let's start with Angelique and then Nicole, 
and then Noah. I am a journalist by trade, and um, I was like the editor of my college newspaper. And when I graduated college, I was like, well, I guess I'll just do like local media. And my dad was like, why would you get into journalism right now? This is so terrible. Go work in finance. The closer to the money you are, the more money you make. And I was like, you don't know my dreams, dad, you know. Um, so I went into local media and sure enough, I got laid off, uh, just a few months into my tenure at my first job after college because the industry was just struggling. And I was like, all right, I can't, I can't be worrying about getting laid off, uh, so soon, um, just after getting my degree. So I wanted to still write, but I wanted to write in a stable environment. And that's how I found the IAPP, which folks working in privacy and security may recognize that acronym, uh, International Association of Privacy Professionals. They were actually operating out of Maine at the time, which is my home state. And um, and they said, this thing is about to happen in a few years called the GDPR. It's good. This space is going to explode. There's going to be so much growth. And I said, well, growth sounds good because I'm looking for stability. So I ended up just de facto, like learning all of these nuances of privacy just by reporting on it and calling all of these, you know, privacy rock stars all the time to say, hey, what's this mean? And how should I think about this issue? Um, And then I had enough knowledge to kind of take that and move into the startup world and just say, hey, if you guys need, uh, you know, some content around this stuff, I happen to know some things now at this point. And uh, that's how I got into the privacy space. So I never thought I would be working in technology, let alone cybersecurity. If somebody would have told me that years ago, I would have laughed them out of the conversation. I went to school for business. I started my career on Wall Street. I worked in consulting for a really long time. And one day I just decided to try something different. Um, There was an open role for a team that built, staffed, and managed international work centers. And I went forward and ended up in a project management role with them. In working in that role, I quickly began to see how technology was a connector of so many things. One, how global teams connect. Two, how we actually um, built products for our customers, the way we delivered service to our customers. And I was like, I just want to dig more into this. I had no idea cybersecurity was like a big deal. Um, totally ignorant of that world. But I quickly began to see how my background in risk and technology really, really fused together. And that's how I was like, what's happening in this cybersecurity space. And so I took my first role as a business information security officer. And I was just floored at just how much I vibed with it, how amazing it was, like how I was able to leverage so much of my skills and, um, and still learn a lot. Right. Um, And I also began to realize like how many other people were trying to make inroads into the industry um, and how many other people needed help with career development and building networks and how to show up in spaces where they may be new and other people are really, really advanced. And so that's how the podcast came along. And I was truly surprised and inspired because I thought I only felt that way. But One of the things my listeners always tell me is like, no, I needed to hear that. Or because of you, I did this and I did that. So it's really become, you know, started as kind of a love letter to myself, the advice I wish I had. Um, But now it's more like a validator for me and so many other people who need really those same fundamental things. Isn't that such a cool thing, Nicole? Like, I love that. But it's, it's also just so cool what you said about 
like it's a bit therapeutic to to realize when you put something out there how many people connect with it and just by virtue of having something that you're pushing out on a platform and then hearing that feedback from folks or like i always love as a journalist i kind of get to ask the dumb questions because i'm not a privacy expert but i think sometimes it can be helpful for folks who are like supposed to know the answer to that and then like get it anyway and sometimes i'll hear from folks who are like oh man you know just like you were saying like thanks for saying that i need to you know um and so it's cool yeah it kind of is like it realizes it makes you realize how connected we all are and how like how much we kind of have in common even though we all like to kind of play it like you know we we know it all um we're all still learning and like it's okay to help each other do that you know absolutely this podcast has definitely made me feel so much more confident about asking those dumb questions, right? Because I don't have that journalism piece, right, to lean on, especially being a leader. I feel like, you know, sometimes you feel the pressure of like having to know it all. And it's like, no, absolutely not. Um, So yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think it's reflective of in both professional and personal life, the importance of conversation in order to actually learn from each other. I find that that's my best way of of learning is just asking people questions. And I think that's, that's fairly common across, but also is obviously a big part of the podcasting endeavor. Yeah, I totally agree with all of that. Um, As for me, I uh, was interested in privacy because my background was in uh, data analytics and didn't spend too much time in it, but at least I majored in it. And then uh, I was at Delta Airlines and I was thinking about doing something law-ish. So I reached out to the law department there and, and asked, you know, what could I work on and, and uh, that would have something to do with data. And they said, well, this thing called data privacy. And they had me do a little compliance project. And uh, I was really interested in it and just all the new questions that come from, you know, that, that are still coming up today. And, and uh, in a way, I think it's interesting, like privacy has a lot of really old questions for like as long as humanity has existed. People have wanted to know information about other people. And then on the other hand, the people that, you know, that information is given to, they feel like, well, you shouldn't have known that. And, you know, I mean, that's just always been something that humans have dealt with. But uh, like, it's just a totally different scale now with, um, with, with modern technology and internet and, and the scope and, and the international elements to it and just so many interesting questions, but uh, really it's at the end of the day, like fundamental questions about like what it is just to be human and no information about each other. Um, so, but as for the podcast itself, I just love stories, big fan of stories. And uh, I uh, am really into the podcast for example, how I built this, he talks to like different entrepreneurs about how they got to where they are. So I had the idea during COVID, I was kind of, you know, at home, everybody was just at home. And I figured, you know what, all of my, my grandparents and anyone at my grandparents generation, um, I want like a recorded sort of oral history about their lives, how they grew up, what their parents did, how they got to where they are. And different things they've gone through, just just like a story about their lives from beginning to end. Um, So I did that. I recorded my grandparents and all my great aunts and uncles and anyone in that generation and uh, just had so much fun doing it. And that was right before I started law school. And then I said, like, gosh, how did these people get into 
privacy law. So I thought it just makes so much sense to do something like I did for my own family members, but talking about sort of the career side with uh, people in privacy. That's so sweet. Yeah, I love like that is true legacy, right? Like pulling together what you do and bringing in your family. Like, I think that's it's so important to to have like a record of that history. One of my favorite guests, Noah, was my grandpa and I interviewed him. He was he was like he's 98 now. So he probably had to be he was like 95 then. Oh, wow. And you know, as they get up in age, I'm like, wow, I'm so happy that I have like this artifact, right? At this moment in time with him um, that I'll get to have forever. I love that you went even deeper and did like a bunch of people in your family. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's great that you talked with him. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, it makes it, you sometimes think people in different generations from you are like, oh, they're so different than me. They, they don't go through the same things that I go through. But at the end of the day, like I said at the beginning with privacy that like, you know, problems and things have come up for all of all of our, you know, all, all of humanity. And when you talk to people, a lot of the times they go through the same things that, that you're going through. And sometimes when they go through something different, you're like, wow, I never thought about that. Or I never knew someone went through something like that. And it just gives you a whole window into, you know, something new. I, I, it's the best way to learn. I think that is a great point that, again, connects back to sort of the purpose of podcasting, or at least the impact, uh, at at least for me. And it's so interesting, because in all of your sort of pathways to getting into this field, and then also sort of starting up your podcast, I feel some similarities, but also some differences that I feel like I can really learn from. People who've listened to this show for a while might know a little bit about my sort of entry into the space, but I guess if you're a new listener to quickly, uh, to quickly touch on it, I came into the space when I was an undergrad at UCSB. I knew I wanted to do international law something, uh, but wasn't sure what it would be. I was thinking human rights was something I cared about. Uh, Ended up doing a study abroad program in Switzerland to figure that out and ended up at the International Telecommunication Union. And that was my entrance into tech. As far as getting into privacy and cybersecurity, that came later. But by the time I got into law school, I knew that was what I wanted to do. And then I joined the Foundry, which is what we run this podcast through and saw that some folks named Emery Roan and Joe Jerome had run this very podcast years ago, uh, back in 2018-ish, I think was when the last episode had happened, but it had become somewhat defunct um, over time since they left the foundry as, as fellows and just decided, hey, that's something I haven't done before. Let's try it out. And I think, Noah, I share with you uh, that love of stories and storytelling, my original career interest way, way, way back when was actually in journalism to share in common with Angelique. And so I think it's such a special space podcasting to be able to share stories and sort of explore, even on a personal level, different interests in creation and creativity 
um, aside from whatever your day discipline. Uh, for me, it's law, but for us all, it's something a little different. Um, and I, I think that's really special. So you all started to get into a little bit sort of the inception of your podcast and maybe your introduction into podcasting generally, but I want to dig into that a little bit more. So why did you create the specific podcast that you run now? And I know uh, for some of you, you might have had previous podcasts as well that might have been the, the segue. So maybe for this one, Angelique can go first, and then Noah, and then Nicole. I was actually, it's funny, because I was very resistant to launching a podcast. I started my first podcast at the IPP back in 2016. And I wasn't really a podcast listener at that time. But my boss um, at the time, Sam Feifel, he he used to commute like an hour and 15 minutes down to the IPP every day. And so he was a big podcast listener. And he's like, listen, this medium's hot. You should get into it now. Like you should get in early. Um, at that time, there were no privacy podcasts at all. And I was kind of like podcasting, like what? And um, so to figure out what he was talking about, I started listening to some podcasts. I was like, oh man, I really fell in love with it as a medium, just like something about when you can only hear a voice and not see a face, it's like very personal. Like it's more personal than when you can see their face to me. Um, I don't know, maybe because you develop some imaginary relationship with them or whatever, but, um, and you're not distracted by what your eyeballs are telling you. It's just like you and them and the information. Um, so I, I, I kind of got it. I was like, I get why this works. And so we launched it and, um, it, I was at the IPP until like 2019, something like that. Um, I took a couple years uh, to get my foot. Like I, I went to another job for a year, didn't launch the podcast, and then came to Territory where I did launch kind of like the – it's similar to the one that I had at the IPP, which was called the Privacy Advisor Podcast and still exists, but um, Jed Bracey hosts it now. Um, so, yeah, I just saw it as something that like the community really took to. Like privacy people are um, – very like curious, interested, passionate people who love to do like extracurriculars. I've learned like they want to meet for happy hour and talk about this stuff. They want to meet for coffee and network and talk about this stuff. Like the more information, the better. So, um, and because it, there wasn't a privacy podcast yet, it was easy for me to sort of fill that vacuum. So, um, it was encouraging to have people like jump on it. And because the IPP has such a wide, um, network um and really own that space then it was easy to really get in front of people to advertise it frankly and say hey like here's the thing do you want to listen to it so i had sort of a leg up on um on myself now um in that regard and so like when you start when you start feeling that momentum and people are giving you the feedback they really like it they're pitching you to be on it it's kind of like all right let's keep this going and that's sort of how what got me to where i am today with this new one the privacy beat um definitely agree with what Angelique said about there's something about voice that at least to me I I think it's like you said much more there's something deeper about it than than video or some other kind of medium it's just like at least for me what's so unique about just only audio is that I have memories when I hear someone's voice about places I've been when I've heard that voice you know like when I for example I was working in Atlanta 
Um, and I love revisionist history, that podcast. And whenever I hear his voice, it's, it like brings me back to four years ago when I was in Atlanta. And it's just, uh, I don't know, there's something about it that uh, I definitely agree that it's a, a connection that's unique. But um, I already sort of explained how my podcast started with talking to my, you know, the oral history with my extended family. Um, uh, and then I was trying to find it, but basically there was someone at, I forget his name, but there was someone at, a, at uh, I went to Ohio State Law School and someone there had a podcast in a totally different field of law, but I talked to them after and I said, is this a thing that I should do? And he, he said, go for it, you know? So um, that was really how I got officially started. And then a little bit, Angelique also talked about just kind of like how you got the momentum, the ball rolling. I think one fun thing about my podcast is I always ask people at the end, like, so who else should I talk to? You know? And uh, I know, for example, Angelique actually recommended at least one person, I think a few that I've talked with on my podcast. Um, so that it just sort of naturally gets the, gets rolling like that is I always ask who else I should talk to. And it's kind of a, waterfalls down into a bunch of different interesting people that I never would have met otherwise. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, and like I said, I just love hearing people's stories and, and, uh, one of the things that I'll say is I like hearing people's stories from all over the spectrum of their career path and their background. So whether that's someone's, in, you know, not in America, whether it's a lawyer, not a lawyer, um, someone at the very beginning of their career, someone at the very end of their career, retired, you know, I, in government and in-house and any other kind of privacy law, just like hearing uh, people's stories from all over the place and uh, everyone has a different and unique perspective. So um, yeah, that's a, uh, that's a story. Very cool. So my podcast, it's interesting. I started speaking professionally maybe almost 10 years ago. And I got really frustrated because I felt like in order for me to share my message, somebody had to book me at an event. And so I felt like the events were really a blocker for me sharing my message with people. And so I am not interested in being an event organizer. I'm not that coordinated. And so I tried to figure out like, okay, how can I remove this block? Like, how can I share my message with people without having to organize an in-person event? And podcasting really became a solution to, to, to that challenge. Um, thankfully, I started in 2020. <laughs> So we all know how that kind of went. We all kind of picked up special projects. But interestingly enough, I had the idea for the podcast before um, I kind of it came up in 2019 as one of my goals for the year 2020. And so I had wanted to start off the new year podcasting, didn't do it. And then I was like, oh, I can do something cool for Black History Month, which is February. Didn't do it. And I saw a post on Instagram of all places that said, how, what are you going to do to finish Q1 strong? And I was like, oh, wow. So that honestly is really what gave me the momentum. And I was like, okay, March is Women's History Month. I have to, I just have to do this. Literally, I had so many like plans and segments and it didn't even work like that. I literally woke up one morning, came to my home office, recorded the first episode and published it like right then and there. And I just, I probably had a little bit too much momentum because then I was just on fire, like bulk recording, 
like getting everything out. I think the first the first season had like 16 episodes and I was like, okay, wait a minute. I need to like chop this up a little bit into like seasons. Um, so then I kind of found my rhythm, but it has just been a great experience. Um, and uh, yeah, sometimes you just got to just wake up and just do it. Yeah, and that actually brings up a good segue into how do you all have the time to do this? So Angelique, I know that your podcast is to some extent a part of your day job. Uh, But for Noah, Nicole, especially, how do you find the time and how do you work with time management and project management to take on the sort of special project that is podcasting? And Angelique, I would also love to hear your thoughts on this generally as well i don't know i honestly like i have no idea have you ever been running and you run too fast and you almost trip over your own feet that's how i feel about podcasting at least when i first started out um because i speak i have a day job i podcast i do some consulting like and at first i got really really burnt out So I had to start to find ways to maximize my time. The first thing that really, really helped me was doing bulk recording, right? Because talking to people and asking them questions and listening to their stories, for me, just comes really natural, right? And so I love to talk to people, right? Like Noah was talking about the power of storytelling. I love that. So I can get with people and listen to their stories and record all day. So you know what? Let me bulk record the easy things. And then because I do a little bit of everything, production, marketing, I started chopping that stuff up. So since I release on a weekly schedule each season, I would just edit one episode each season, edit one episode each each week, I'm sorry. Um, and then when it come, came to like the digital marketing and creating tiles for social media, oh my goodness, I used to do a different design for every episode. And I was like, I'm, I'm not a graphic artist. This is taking way too long. And so I began to streamline, right? I use Canva. I found one kind of uh, template that I liked And I just used that one. And all I had to do was change the photo and change the episode title. Finding ways to streamline repeatable tasks like that helped me so, 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 so much. And it even got to a point where I begrudgingly streamlined the show from a questions perspective. And I thought, oh, it'll get really cold if I ask people the same things. But you can ask 10 people the same question and get, 10 different answers, right? And so it kind of grounds the podcast in a sense, but also still gives some diversity of perspective and flavor. Great answer. Um, as for me, I probably <laughs> I probably have like the least, you know, I think this is my view of my podcast is I just like talking to people. And as far as, you know, making sure that it's perfect and making sure that it's super, you know, well edited and high quality and that that at least for me is you know I don't know maybe if I was NPR I would I would do all those things but uh, on my end I would say my podcast is like an extremely minimal time commitment and effort commitment because I put it this way like I think that if you have fun with it then you'll prioritize it so like I just enjoy doing it and then 
it's um, not something that I view as like, oh, I have to do this now. And when, where am I going to find the time? It's something I just enjoy doing. But second of all, uh, definitely do not spend like hours and hours editing and making sure that everything was perfect. I would say the thing I spend most time with is finding new guests. Um, but like the, the podcast recording itself is, like I said, it's just people telling their stories. So it takes very little preparation on my end. Um, I just kind of love hearing them and asking them questions about it. And, uh, and like I said, very minimal on the editing and, uh, making sure everything sounds perfect. So that's not really has ever been the purpose of my podcast. It's more just been listening to, you know, hearing interesting folks and, uh, yeah. So, um, time commitment has not been such an issue with, with my, with my podcast. And like I said, the minimal time that it takes, like I have so much fun with it. It doesn't really even feel like something that I would, you know, that's a burden to me. So for me, um, I end up like, it is part of my job. It is my job to help, um, sort of bring people into the Terra true family. Um, and, you know, to try and pull people um, into some of our content by way of attraction. But I definitely don't really have time to do it takes a long time to do a podcast, like from start to finish. And like, actually, one of my things when I joined Terra True was like, you know, at the IBP, I did it all from start to finish. When I joined Terra True, I was like, I need help doing this. Um, and so I do have the help of a sound engineer that I send it to because I actually do hem and haw about the sound quality and the edits because, um, you know, I'm a sensitive being and I used to get, uh, whenever like the quality, the sound quality was bad on the IPP, uh, podcast, I used to get kind mail, but like, Hey, fix the sound. It's annoying to listen to. I'm trying to get this. Um, so yeah, like I always am scrambling to try and like do this like as fast as I can. And I totally agree with the poll about like the repeatable processes. Like I templated the social graphic that I use and I swap out the picture and the title. Um, and, you know, I go back and forth with the sound engineer a little bit about sound quality and they sound a little tinny. Can you bring their levels up a little bit? Like, can you make this a little warmer? I do a lot of that, too much of that. But one hack that I did figure out like way late in my podcasting was I used to listen to the episode because, you know, like I said, I do get a little bit um, ridiculous about it. But I used to listen to the episode and I'd be like, oh, I got to cut it at like minute like 629 to 6, like 34. Now, finally, I smartened up and after I record the podcast, I transcribe the podcast and I just like like line edit it for the sound engineer, like cut this chunk, cut this chunk. Or sometimes a guest will be like, I shouldn't have said that. I'll get in trouble with the client. Like, can you cut this? And I will say that that hack has helped to save me some time. But agreed, like if you can do it in bulk, totally. I'm an idiot and like I decided it's going to be news based. So that's like not, doesn't work for me. Unfortunately, I completely handcuffed myself, handicapped myself in that way. Um, but yeah, what you can do in bulk and what you can template and then just like, you know, edit for iterations. Um, definitely the key to being able to repeat this. And I think that's the problem. Like the thing I love about podcasts is it's so democratic. Like there's very low barrier to entry, right? Like you don't have to like get a sponsor, you know, like you can start your own podcast tomorrow if you want. Um, but I think a lot of podcasts burn and die because like you just, it is a lot of work to just do for fun. Like 
mad respect to folks who aren't like for Noah and Nicole who are doing it like outside of work hours and Rima. Um, but, um, but I think a lot of people lose motivation after a while because you're just like, this is actually more than I thought I was biting off, you know? Yeah. It's so interesting to hear all your different approaches and also your strategies. And I think it does go to show your point, Angelique, how democratic the process is. Like you could be the most neurotic person in the world. I think I skew a little bit that way. I tend to be <laughs> a little neurotic about the, the production process, but uh, you could be that way and still make it happen. Although you might encounter some burnout issues, but both of you, all of you suggested sort of ways that you can fight that, uh, fight that burnout and make things easier. And you can also just kind of send it <laughs> and focus on really just having organic conversations and, you know, posting stuff and seeing what happens. And for me, it's been really interesting because the process that we've done with this podcast has really kind of changed over time in the beginning, because I literally didn't know how to do anything. <laughs> I just edited myself with my complete lack of editing skills, threw it up there, made a graphic, and we made it work. Um, and now we have a little bit more of an assembly line and a little bit more of a process in place that's that's gotten fleshed out over the almost two years that I have been running this version of the show. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I definitely want to totally agree on the democratic side of podcasting. Like, <laughs> I think I'm a good example of that. I was started it. I was, uh, what, what, you know, I think Rima also, but uh, maybe I was, oh, it was 22 when I started it. And uh, I was just like, yeah, why not start a podcast? It was literally that easy. And I'm perhaps the least neurotic person. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, it's good enough. I don't know if that's the best quality as a uh, lawyer, but <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> nonetheless, I'm, I'm not someone that stresses about things. I'm like, okay, sounds tinny, good enough, you know, but, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, very low barrier to entry and I'm uh, proof of <laughs> proof of that. So, so I want to kind of, turn to what some of the challenges have been of the podcasting process. And I know we've started to touch on them a little bit with sometimes dealing with burnout or perhaps, you know, thinking of how to format um, the podcast and things like this. But do any of you have a sort of challenge that has stuck out to you as you've gone through the process of podcasting? I know for me, it's doing it all. See, Angelique is smart. She's like, I have sent over this to this person to out. I, 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 I need to do that, right? Like sometimes you think your thing is so small, like, oh, no, no, I need to, I need to do the, let people do the other things, right? Like I'm great at podcasting. Let me just podcast. Let the editors edit. Let the marketing people do the marketing. And um, the second thing is finding the time right? Just finding it the time. Um, I, it's been a while since I have podcasted. I took a little bit of a break because I started a new really, really big job. And I've had a few listeners, um, one specifically from the Philippines and another, someone who I went to high school with who I haven't talked to in over 
two decades, reach out to me and say like, um, excuse me, but what's going on with the podcast? Because that's a great <laughs> sign. That's a great sign. <laughs> it really, really is Angelique. And I said, you know what? Okay. That means it's time for me to figure out where I need to make some concessions, where I need to outsource and delegate a little bit. Um, because consistency in this world is golden, right? I mean, podcast advertising is like one of the top forms of advertising, right? And so without that consistency and without focusing on what I'm good at, it's going to be really, really hard to, to tap into that and transform this from a passion project into a profitable passion project. Yeah, I think that's spot on, Nicole. And um, I think, yeah, I think delegation is key when you can, you know, like I, sometimes you can't, like I, I kind of use it as a condition of this new job when I took it, you know, um, but sometimes that's not possible. However, I, and, and I would add to what Nicole said that, I mean, yes, consistency is super key, even just for listeners, like the number one thing that I, I used to go to a bunch of podcasting conferences and the number one takeaway I took from that, and I'm guilty of this, like when I get busy, sometimes you're, you, I'm delayed a week and like, it sucks. But, um, but that listeners really care about consistency. Like they want you there for them. If they, if they adopt your show and they, and I'm like this as a listener, like if I love a show, I'm like, where the heck is the next episode? You know, you start to get like, you get let down, you know, you want them to be loyal. They're loyal to you. They want you to be loyal to them and show up with episodes. Sometimes life gets in the way and that's just the way it is. But, um, the thing that I would say it gets in my way or it used to, I'm savvier about it now, but like not every expert is a great podcaster like guest um you can be brilliant and not really be able to get into the flow of like this is a warm conversation over coffee even if it's virtual um and i tend to want like the smartest person on this topic and i have to like my when i ask people to come on the show there's two considerations it's like first are they really good are they they experts on this and second how well can they how well can they speak on it but also speak on it in a podcast format a lot of people are okay speakers even on a panel but podcasting they just can't get like out of their suit you know and just kind of sink into the chair you know i tell people like grab a glass of wine if that's what it needs for you you know like whatever you got to do to like, just kind of relax a little bit, but it can be hard for folks to kind of get there. Um, and that's the vibe I look for on my show. And I think most podcasts work best, you know, sometimes podcasts are formal news interviews and that's okay for me. Like I want to have like a fun chat. So, um, yeah, I think just like figuring out how to like vet who's going to be the best guest for your show and how to handle it. If you have someone on your show, who's not a great guest and you don't want to publish the episode, but you should, cause they gave you their time. I pretty much agree with what uh, Nicole said as far as I think that's true with like anything that you're kind of spearheading that basically if you're not the one pushing it, it moves nowhere. So, you know, you're like the consistency and, you know, it's just like day in, day out, making sure that you're prioritizing, getting the next guest, the next episode out. And if you take your foot off the gas, then it's very obvious because you don't have any episodes, you know, during that time. So uh, I think just just kind of getting yourself motivated to have that consistency is probably the toughest part. I definitely agree with Nicole's point of the importance of delegation to sort of facilitate that consistency process. But also, I think sometimes I have to let go a little bit of my neuroticism, (laughs) just embrace that, like, some episodes are going to be different. Like, sometimes I don't have the time or people on our team don't have the time to fully, you know, flesh out an episode 
plan and maybe it's going to be in a different format than what we usually do. But sometimes people really like that we switch things up. So I think that, that there's a, a balancing game to play there. Okay. We could talk literally forever. I'm intensely nerding out <laughs> at this conversation, but I want to wrap us up with two kind of final quick fire questions. So first, what is something that you've learned that you really enjoy about this process and, and or something that you're looking forward to uh, coming up next? And then as a sort of wrap up, uh, where can people find your podcast and find more about you? I would say something that I've learned throughout this process is that nobody is too big or small to have a conversation with. Like, you know, like I said, in my podcast, I talk to people that just started, have retired. I've talked to like all kinds of people. And I, uh, like we talked about before, not exactly a very neurotic person. <laughs> I just ask whoever I feel like and, um, you know, and see where it goes. And uh, I think that people a lot of times underestimate just how willing people are to tell their stories and talk with you. And, you know, if you're interested and reach out to them, like nine out of 10, 99 out of a hundred, they'll like be so interested in talking with you in return. So don't, uh, you know, don't get down on yourself and feeling like, Oh, it's not going to talk to me. Um, they probably will. So, uh, definitely have that confidence. And, Secondly, as far as where you can find the podcast, uh, it's called Careers in Data Privacy. And any privacy pros out there, like I said, you're just starting out on your career, you're ending it, uh, doing anything anywhere in the world, definitely reach out to me, maybe DM me on LinkedIn or something, and we'll uh, figure out a time to set up your episode. I love it. I'm definitely going to check out that podcast because it sounds super interesting, Noah. Um, for me, the thing that I've learned from podcasting is, one, it's really weird hearing your voice play back in the beginning. It's very, very odd. Secondly, I've learned that we all have way more in common than we do differently, right? There are people I have podcasted that I probably would have never ran into had it not been for our careers crossing paths. And it's amazing how many things we have in common. The number of similarities is completely uncanny. Um, and also, the last thing I'll, I'll say really quickly is you can never get enough focus on foundations. Like in our industries, it's really easy to get to like the complicated, sexy stuff. But a lot of times the things that get us in trouble, with air quotes I'm saying, are the foundational basics, right? Um, my podcast, Urban Girl Corporate World, you can find wherever you get your podcasts. I'm on Apple, Spotify, and just about everywhere else. I'll close quickly. I think um, two things that I've learned. One is that, um, I don't know, to never minimize what your inherent skills can do for you. Like, I don't know. I'm curious and I like talking to people. I never thought that that would be a thing that I could use necessarily professionally. Um, but I find that it actually works really well for me if I lean into those skills. Um, the other thing is that it's amazing what people will tell you. Not with like, I don't mean that in a salacious way. It's amazing. You can, when people feel 
safe and taken care of, they open up. And I think like I try and really use that in every conversation, even if we're talking about data privacy, like just as to bring those human skills to it. Like I'm, I'm, I want to create a space where you feel like you can say what you want to say without like embarrassment or judgment or, you know, um, and I think that like we can use that in our everyday conversational skills with people too, just to be empathetic and, um, and good listeners. Um, you can find the podcast anywhere you find podcasts. The Privacy Beat is on Spotify and Apple and all those places. So um, I'd love to hear what you think. Uh, feel free to send me love or hate mail, but preferably love. All love, all love in this house. Amazing. Well, thank you all so much. I really appreciated this conversation and learning from all of you and also the side conversations that we've had in the past. And it's so great to, to learn from each other. All of Noah, Nicole and Angelique's podcast will be linked in the show notes. So you can also just click the direct link there to check them out. Uh, but thanks so much again. Thanks, Rima. Thanks, everyone. Thank so much. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Tech Policy Grind. If you enjoyed the show, get in touch with us at Foundry Podcasts with an S at ilpfoundry.us or leave us a review wherever you're tuning in. I'm Rima Musa, the host of the show. And this podcast wouldn't be possible without the help of our team at the Internet Law and Policy Foundry. Thank you to Evan Enzer for editing this episode, Lama Muhammad, our social coordinator, Alison McReynolds, our accessibility coordinator, and Tim Lorden at the Internet Education Foundation. See you next time.